We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hey, everybody. Before we get into today's pod, I want to tell you about Blue Wire Hustle, a brand new program where you can host your very own podcast here at Blue Wire. Um, Hustle was created to give everyone the opportunity to take their podcast to the next level. Or if you want to host a podcast and just don't know where to start, Hustle is the perfect opportunity for you. As part of the program, uh, you'll receive your own personal cover art, Q&As with Blue Wire's top podcasters, access to our community discord, and an e-learning course full of tips and tricks that we all use. And on top of that, we'll uh, help you get your show pushed out to Apple and Spotify, Google, Stitcher, all those other platforms. And the, the best part is you can get that all for 15 bucks a month. I can tell you from personal experience of hosting my own podcast, it, it, cost, it cost me more than that to, to start my own and, and host my own podcast. So that's the same rate as any other hosting site would charge you for just the initial setup. So whether you're starting from scratch or have an existing show that you want to grow, Hustle is an opportunity to level up your sports experience. Acceptance into the program is limited, so get your application in today. To apply, go to bwhustle.com join. Check out the description box for the episode to find out more. But that's bwhustle.com slash join. Hey, yeah. I feel like Kobe in a fourth quarter. This is the Dane Moore NBA podcast brought to you by Blue Wire Podcasts. And the Timberwolves are down by 89 points since Carl Anthony Towns got hurt. 36 point loss to the Lakers. 23-point loss to the Los Angeles Clippers and a 30-point loss to the 0-5 Washington Wizards, who were on a back-to-back, second night of a back-to-back tonight. Jack Borman uh, from Canis Hoopus is going to join me in person um, to break this all down. It was Jack's first ever, I think this is hilarious, it was your first ever game to cover live and in person at Target Center. Welcome, welcome to the Minnesota Timberwolves beat. This is this is normal. Yeah, just my luck. Um, no, no, it was cool to be in here and, and cool to kind of feel the energy of everything that was going on, at least for the first two quarters before everything kind of kind of went off the rails. It but, was bad the whole time, um, pretty much. But yeah, I mean, it's a lot better than than sitting at home watching the game game on TV. That's that's for sure. So it was it was fun to be here. It is very weird. We are currently sitting in Target Center, and there's a lady cleaning the tables and that's it and then it's us and the the basketball court this is 
in kind of weird dim down lighting too. I've never I've been in Target Center probably close to a hundred times and I've never <laughs> seen I've never seen it like this. It's crazy. Oh man, where where do we even where do you begin? I get honestly with, with this with this game. Um, thinking about, I mean, I was of the opinion that the Lakers and Clippers games is like, all right, you don't have cat. It's the Lakers and the Clippers. Yeah, you, you lose those games. It is what it is, and. And then this is the Wizards, and they lost by 30. Um, 21. Uh, well, really 30, yeah, if you if you kind of take out the, the fourth quarter there. They lost? Well, why would it be 21? Well, it was 131.09. Oh, what? <laughs> okay, <laughs> yeah. then my whole open is all, is all bullshit. They're only down 80 points since Carl Anthony Towns got I guess I stopped paying attention. I wrote down 13100. 21, okay. In meaningful minutes, yes. Exactly. So that, that, that was all wrong. I, I mean – I think it's D'Angelo Russell is, is where we got That's where I was going to start. I mean, with Cat going down, it was a natural progression to think that he would be the one who who would step into a bigger role, and, and he hasn't. Um, I, I think that a lot of that is just on him. I guess that would be my question to you is how much, how much do you feel of this is just D'Angelo not producing versus not feeling comfortable in this system or not, you know, not having a role? Um, I think it's I think it's D'Angelo personally. Um, you know, I think we we saw Ryan come out and, and say that it, it's not just D'Angelo and kind of deflected blame away from D'Angelo, saying that it's on the team to kind of help help each other and help everybody kind of get in a rhythm and get to your spots and and make plays for one another. But but last year when when we saw you know D'Angelo play with this version of the Wolves post um, post Cat's wrist injury, um, you know, I don't think that we saw D'Angelo actively hurting. Timberwolves right um you know I, I thought that D'Angelo played pretty well I thought that he he played in a manner that that excited Timberwolves fans about what was to come this year but but without Cat this time around I, I think D'Angelo Russell just looks almost disinterested but I, why why would he be disinterested I'm with you like that's clearly what's what's showing up out there why would he not be interested I think part of it might just be that there was so much time off between you know that that last game against the Rockets in Houston to you know that the game against Detroit and then and then kind of the highest of the highs in Salt Lake City last week um beating the Jazz to to now being almost right back to square one with right. without Cat and after after 9 or 10 months or whatever it's been um I think that it's fair to feel frustrated as a player but I don't think it's fair to just kind of let that consume you and really kind of set a tone for the rest of your teammates that are looking sure. to you to set that tone and be that leader that, yeah, that I mean, you I so desperately is, need is, without is clearly looking for him or expecting that to be him. And, and honestly, I wish, I wish we could have asked him after the game, you know, how much of, of his lack of production has to do with, you know, getting comfortable with this new roster, a new role. I mean, he's, he's literally starting at shooting guard versus point guard. Like, and I he think that's an certainly part of it. That's certainly part of it. He would have an opportunity to answer that, and he's now skipped the media on consecutive games. He didn't. He he dodged the media uh, after the the Clippers loss, and he dodged the media today afterwards too. So I, I think it's just a he's compounding a problem that that shouldn't be as big of a you know of problem as it is. It's like you know come out and you know say what it is, what what you're feeling right now, take blame for it, de- deflect blame, whatever, and. And I mean, move on to saying we're going to be better against Denver, you know. Hit us with the cliche, but I think it was even I – mean, the Wolves have been 
outscored by 89 with him on the floor in these three games. And now that I'm redoing the math in my head after I <laughs> found out the score was 70. He's played for 78 minutes and they've been outscored by 89. And in the minutes he hasn't been on the floor, 66, they they've outscored their opponents by nine. So they're literally in these three blowout losses are winning the games in the time when Delo's on the bench. Obviously, some of that is, you know, it's the garbage time. They made a little bit of a, a comeback and, and all this and that. But, like, I don't think you're wrong to say this would probably have just been a closer game start to finish if D'Angelo also just didn't play. And that's just shocking. I, it's crazy. I mean, I, I, when you look around the league and you and you look at cap sheets for different teams and you look at who the max players or essentially max players are in, in the league, um, it's crazy to think that, and over a multiple game stretch that that one of those players is, is actively hurting a team's chance to win it's crazy to think about i mean, I mean when, uh, uh, we're always going to bring up the, the wiggins thing I and mean, people always do that was that was the wiggins problem right is exactly wiggins was one of the only max players in the league who you can make an argument that he wasn't a, a positive player i mean i think maybe people at times when westbrook has not been hitting, hitting his shots and taking an outside outsized role they point to his thirty plus million dollar contract and do that, but other than that, most of the time it's guys who are hurt. Right. Like John Wall or something like that. Yeah, or Tobias Harris might be the only other guy that I can think of off the dome that that is like that. But That's um, bad. That's bad company. It, yeah. And and I think it's some of the doubters, you know, thoughts and, and feelings kind of coming to fruition about D'Angelo Russell. Where were you at with D'Lo just like coming into the season? I was I was very excited. Um, I thought that D'Angelo Russell, you know, wasn't necessarily going to play at an R, at an All Star level, um, just because I think that the West is so stacked in, in the in the backcourt. But um, but I definitely thought that there would be so much more room for him to operate, and the game would be so much easier for him because Carl was there. Um, but he even played well and and got to his spots, and it looked like the game came pretty easy to him. Um, playing in the Wolves system last season after he was traded here. Yeah. And and so because of that, I thought at the bare minimum we would get that same D'Angelo Russell again. Maybe a, maybe one that's a little bit better because you'd have, you know, kind of, you know, he's had nine months to work on his game. Time. And yeah. also, you know, this is just his second year in the system, so everything would, would come more naturally to him. But but it's just crazy to me how that has just been flipped on its head in in just five games and it just doesn't feel like he's he's just missing shots right like it's not it doesn't feel like that it's not like oh he's getting the looks and he's missing them it's like he isn't even able to create the look create the space to be able to do the good d'angelo russell thing i mean we saw that a little bit at the end of the utah game i think there were some people that were starting to criticize d'lo towards the end of that game for just kind of jacking up shots um but at the same time he really took that game by the neck and, and helped the Wolves pull that one out. Yeah. And he made some big-time shots by creating some of that space in the mid-range or, or from behind the arc and, and making shots. But we just haven't seen that uh, in the three games since. I think to, you know, to, to maybe put some blame elsewhere, too, I think you've got to be intentional about trying to get D'Angelo Russell going, and, and a way to do that would be to just run him in more pick-and-roll action. Mm-hmm. And I think you have a you know a capable screen and roll guy in Nas Reed, screen and pop guy. And I think Nas makes good decisions with the ball in terms of when to hand the ball off, when when to yeah. when to swing the ball, when to put it on the deck and go. And I think that if you can get the, if you can run 
actions that, that make multiple players on the floor feel comfortable, whether it be D'Angelo with the ball in his hands, Nas setting a screen, D, uh, Malik spotting up, you know, Malik spotting up in a corner, Wancho spotting up in a corner. I think that's stuff that you've got to try and do because everybody just looks disjointed. just looks like they lack confidence in, in the, and I said this, I tweeted this, but it just looks like the Timberwolves are playing without a compass. And Yes, it's very fair to say that that Carl Anthony Towns is that kind of compass North on the, on the floor, the North Star, and <laughs> the if if we want to tie it back to the jerseys tonight, but um, <laughs> but it just it just blows my mind how how this team just doesn't run action on offense, and and like you were saying, to get get guys in their the ball, get guys the ball in their spots, like with with Anthony Edwards in the fourth quarter, Ryan put the ball in Anthony Edwards' hands, playing alongside. Jordan McLaughlin, Jarrett Culver, Jaden McDaniels, and Jared Vanderbilt, and just said, go. We're going to run PNR. You're going to attack the rim. And he played way better, and he looked way more confident. And I think the fact that they haven't put the ball in Anthony Edwards' hands much at all uh, on the ball since Cat got hurt has had a a big effect on the just seeming lack of offense that this team has had. And and that's just kind of a microcosm of – of what's I, I going think on. so that to, to apply that to D'Angelo Russell, then like, you know, you want to be doing the same thing with him, you know, right. putting the ball in his hand, running pick and roll for him, putting him in actions where he can succeed. And I mean, I was talking, I have been talking about this where I think it's important to have multiple creators out there. Like with this group, you don't have anybody outside of cat who's singularly talented enough to just run the offense through exclusively. Right. Like mm-hmm. the, the, the Edwards idea is not, like that isn't isn't sustainable, right? You would need to have a, another person out there. Like Jade McDaniel's was isn't that? Yeah. So so you like in a in a way you have that with with that D'Angelo Russell in the starting group when you have you know Malik Beasley and Ricky Rubio as other you know creators next to him, but there there's some sort of cannibalization going on there where it's not even baton passing. It's like we don't even know who has the baton right now, and which is a huge problem. It's a huge problem. And Jake Lehman alluded to it in, in the postgame post Zoom. Um, you know, I think Jake just said that, you know, we don't have anybody that we can look to. And because of that, you know, there's no excuse for us not moving the ball around a ton and, and swing the ball from side to side. And, right. and I think that if there's not going to be one guy who's going to be able to step up and carry the load while also making their teammates better, uh, which I think is, is, you know, something that I think D'Lo needs to work on, um, there's just got to be more ball movement, and everybody's got to get involved. And you can't. Why hasn't Ricky Rubio been able to help him? Help D'Angelo. Not. To, I, I'm certainly. I'm not. I'm putting the. Bl- I thought actually Ricky played pretty well today, but it was more in like an independent, like hitting some shots. You know, you know, he he had a couple kickouts like in the first half. Jake Lehman, I think about that one three. He found found a couple cutters, whatever. Like. It seems like he had a he had a good Ricky Rubio game, but the the good Ricky Rubio instances or stretches of time seem to have very rarely brought out the best in D'Angelo Russell, and and I guess what I'm trying to figure out is like can he? Can D'Angelo like let that happen? Do they just not? Are they oil and water? I mean that's a good question. I, I think we saw a good little two man sequence between uh, Ricky and D'Angelo yeah, down here, down the, here the in, quarter, in the corner, yeah. um, with a, with a just moving in, in the and what and what that came from was just moving the ball. The two kept back passing it back and forth with one another. They yeah, were almost mo- too much. <laughs> they were moving without the basketball, yeah. pump yeah. faking, um, 
And yeah, I, I think that those two can can definitely coexist just because I think that Ricky is an unselfish player who understands mm-hmm. kind of where guys like the ball and and that he's not the primary option on offense as a scorer. But I feel like he doesn't understand that with D'Angelo. Like I don't think he knows where the spots are for D'Ang- like D'Angelo. There's and and that's few- fair. And and that's fair because they haven't they just straight up haven't played that many games together. They've played five games together and haven't practiced all that much together. Which which is fair, but I, I'm more saying like, what does it look like if it starts working? You know, like I think it's I think it looks probably like what we saw in that one possession where the two are just kind of playing off each other between, yeah. and, and there's a little bit of a two man game or or kind of like what we saw at the end of the Utah game. And at the end of the Detroit, or excuse me, at the end of the Detroit game, where there was a wedge wedge action to get Cat the ball, and there's kind of a three-man game between Ricky, Cat, and D'Lo, or in this case, Ricky, Nas, and D'Lo, where um, where the the two guys in the pick and roll can kind of play off one another, but then D'Angelo is just smart about moving off the ball, and I think that D'Angelo needs to be better with the way that he's moving off the ball, because I think that the the way that he's moving off the ball now um, is just okay, so where can I go to just get the ball so I can put it on the floor and try and create for myself rather than spot up and shoot? And I think it might, and, and part of, and at least my thinking is that I think he he might feel that he makes a bigger impact when he can put on the ball and create, put the ball on the deck and kind of create for himself sure. rather than just space the floor and shoot open threes, which I think could almost be more effective at this point when he's yeah. not running a bunch of pick and roll. I think like, going forward back to what you were talking about about last season like they were an above average offense after the trade deadline they were 13th in offensive rating you know and to some degree that's going to come back like they're going to they're going to have their games where we've seen extended runs where this team looks competent offensively and and I, i believe that i believe that's going to come i'm just at the point now with this defense where it's like i don't know like I don't know how they like can't be the worst defense in the league. It, it's it it looks so so broken. They don't like on a lot of levels from an execution standpoint, sure, but it, it's it's broken before they can even start executing. Like the Wizards were just like while the game was in the balance, still they're like, well, we're just gonna go through Hachimura all day. Who and Brian inside? And well, yeah, but it, it, and it's just like it's the same thing as it was Batum in the Clippers game where. Like okay, you're you're putting a six three, six four guy on our six foot nine guy, like who's bigger and stronger and taller and, and can pass the ball and can pass the ball. Like I thought, Hachimura did a real, like it wasn't even it isn't even just that. Like it's never going to be. You're never just gonna like back you down and like power dribble into a dunk. Like that 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 isn't even that isn't even the problem. It's that once he kind of does get in any guy that Beasley or D'Lo are guarding and it's not even a switch it's not a mismatch it's their assignment right then you can just pass out of that and it's oh, you spray it all around for open shooters and I think something we saw today was that so Malik Beasley was starting off guarding Hachimura yeah um and they had Culver on Beal mm-hmm. and what what I saw happen was when they threw the ball into Hachimura on two of the first three possessions. Culver had to try and kind of help a little bit because he was on the same side as Hachimura was. Yep. And I think the Wizards did that on purpose so that if Culver has to help down more towards the block, it leaves Beal more open on the perimeter. <laughs> and so you either give Bradley Beal a wide open three or Bradley Beal just attacks your closeout and gets to the rim. And that's exactly what happened. It resulted in, it resulted in a three for Beal, a three for Neto, 
a three or excuse me a three for Bryant a three for Neto and then Bradley Beal just starting to attack the rim attacking close uh, via attacking closeouts and well, there's just nothing you can do and and if the the worst part is that the, the Wolves play the Nuggets the next two games or any team they're going to play coming up their coaches are obviously the scouts going to have watched this game and they go the Nuggets are going to be like well whoever Saunders decides you know to put on Millsap like let's just we're just going to run through. We're going to do the same thing. Or even Jokic. Yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, yeah, Jokic I mean, is already going to just yeah. absolutely destroy them. But it, it's it's like n- now you're opening up this door to a player who, like, well, what's Hachimura like? The sixth best, fifth best offensive player on this team, probably. Who, who they end up going to, and it's like what I, I was thinking of. It reminded me of Lamarcus Aldridge. It did. Yeah. Where like you, you remember that one playoff series? It was the Spurs Thunder, and the Spurs just fed Aldridge all day on the block. They're just like, well, they don't have a, they don't have an option here. We're just gonna go through this mismatch over and over again. And for the Wolves, you know, void of a power forward option to be able to check that guy, it, you're gonna turn Batum into that. You're gonna turn Hachimura into Lorcas Aldridge. You're gonna turn that. So, so they, I mean, to me, there's just no way you can start this same starting lineup again. It, in, I, in the Denver. I would agree. Games. Against Denver for sure. Like maybe you can get and, a, like and you can San get Antonio. away. With, yeah, like you can you can get away with it. It's a it's a lineup, Nas Culver Beasley D'Lo Rubio that like you could play in the mix of the game like in the mix of your rotations like roll out six minutes you know su- surprise them here and there. Yeah. But, but what you say like these are our starters and the beginning of the game starting the half court sets the whole time. This is gonna be like bam 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 over yeah. and over again. And I mean the the issue is is that even that Jake Lehman had a good game tonight like that's not the answer that's not like a you're not good well i mean you saw what happened in the third quarter down here is that they put jake layman on on hachimura on bryant and the first three possessions that had happened it was hachimura went through him for a dunk next possession hachimura and jake just hacked the hell out of him and then the third possession when he got switched on to bryant bryant just backed him down threw it down it was an and one and so i i mean it's just got to be vanderbilt you just have to yeah, Especially against Denver, because yeah, I think you got to trust that Vanderbilt's played with some of these guys in Denver, and that he at least knows what he might know what what Paul Millsap likes to go to in a post move or something like that. Something like that could be more valuable. But he's also just a bigger body that yeah, I think's gonna I, compete. I mean, you're right. I guess he's guarded Paul Millsap in practice before, but like at the same time, it, it's just it's just about that not being like a like uh, Murray dribbles the ball up the floor and they start drooling because. Delo's on Millsap. Right. You know you can't hide Delo anywhere. Yeah, I mean so against that's, team like that. Well, you can I, you can pretty much always hide one person in basketball, it, unless it's maybe like the last few minutes of the game. But like generally speaking, you can get away with hiding D'Angelo Russell. Like the the Wolves' full strength should be fine with that. Like a lot of teams have that issue, right? But but now it, it wasn't D'Angelo Russell and Rui Hachimura. It was Malik Beasley. Why do you think that? Ryan waited so long to make a change to that, to make a change to that matchup, and and why do you think we didn't see Jared Vanderbilt until the fourth quarter? Well, what, what ended up happening is like after, like Hachimura got going, which then on those kickouts he started getting it to Beal. Beal hits a couple of shots, and Beal goes, "All right, well let's just run DHOs, me and Bryant. Let's run pick and rolls, me and Bryant." And the Wolves didn't have an option to guard Bradley Beal either because. Right. Like these, these losses are, they're losses, whatever. But I mean, the Jared Culver 
balloon has just deflated. Like it, it at least temporarily. I'm hoping we could gas it back up here in in the future. But Culver couldn't do anything on Beal. Like that wasn't a that wasn't a good matchup for the Wolves. And, and Saunders punted on it, like and and decided to have Malik Beasley <laughs> go guard Bradley Beal. And then that was when Beal and Thomas Bryant start just going off. So it's Saunders is rearranging the pieces on the chessboard as he has to, but there aren't like there aren't good alternatives. It's just it's just a constant it's just a constant scramble. And I mean, at this juncture, if you're not going to start Vanderbilt, which I'll, I'll get to, your, I'll go get into Vanderbilt Hill too, too. But like, you almost just have to run zone. Yeah, I, we didn't see any zone tonight. And why? Like why? What? Because they could shoot it at like Bertons and. But if 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 playing zone is going to allow you to close out to shooters a little bit better, and it and it very well could just because you already have guys stationed out near the perimeter more, um, I think you you run the risk because I mean the Timberwolves rebounded, I mean the Timberwolves rebounded pretty well tonight all things considered, and I think that if if rebounding is a huge problem with your zone um, or with or it's a huge kind of hesitancy you have with playing zone. Yeah, that's just you've always you've yeah. got to. I mean, and you're already out rebounding the other team in uh, in man to man. I think you've got to you've got to go play zone. It just seems like. Well, let's just talk about these next two Denver games. Like, I think you need to be playing two of Nas, Ed Davis, and Vanderbilt at all times and and if you're not if you only have one of them out there you got to be in zone mm-hmm. i just it doesn't seem sustainable and <laughs> i mean is there <laughs> now i'm thinking out loud like but is there a worse player to run zone against than Nikola jokic <laughs> like it just probably eat that up yeah i mean that team's gonna cut really and then that, that team cuts really well off of him and obviously he's a terrific passer out of the high post um which but is exactly what you want to do against that. But I think, just, but at the same time, broken, but man. at the same time, if you can prevent people from cutting, playing zone, and kind of really pack it in and just force yeah. the Nuggets to shoot, to shoot a bunch of threes, I th- I still think that's much better than them running P and R or using dribble handoffs with Barton and Jokic or or Murray and Jokic. Right. Um, and I mean, and especially the Michael Porter Jr. It sounds like he's going to be out for both games. Um, with with health and safety protocols, um, I think the Wolves just have to pack it in and just hope that the Nuggets don't don't shoot it well from outside. Let's take a quick break. The NBA is back in action, heading into the playoffs. Is football? You might not be at a game this year, but you can still be in on the action at Bet Online. BetOnline is going the extra mile to make sure you can get in on every possible chance to win this season. From the game spreads and totals to team and player coaching props, BetOnline gives you more options to wager than anywhere else. You can get in on their season opening bonuses today and start off wagering on wins, divisions, championship, futures, all day, every day. Head to BetOnline today and take advantage of all the great sign-up bonuses. Don't forget to use promo code BLUEWIRE at BetOnline.ag. That's BLUEWIRE, all one word. Bet online, your online sports book experts. 2020 has already reshaped how we work, and it's almost over. Businesses across the globe are challenged to be their most efficient, which means every hire is critical. Indeed is here to help. Indeed is the number one job site in the world with more total visits than any other job site, according to Comscore. 
Indeed helps you find quality candidates quickly, so you can focus on hiring the person you need to keep your business going. Unlike other sites, Indeed gives you full control and payment flexibility over your hiring. You only pay for what you need, you can pause your account at any time, and there are no long-term contracts. And now Indeed's new way of matching you with candidates instantly delivers a short list of quality candidates whose resumes on Indeed match your job criteria that you can contact the moment you sponsor a job, making Indeed the only job site that can move as fast as you do. 73% of online job seekers in the U.S. are visiting Indeed each month, according to Comscore. So it's clear Indeed can help get you the quality hire you need. That's why more than 3 million businesses worldwide use Indeed for hiring. Right now, Indeed is offering our listeners a free $75 credit to boost your job post, which means more quality candidates will see it fast. Try Indeed out with a $75 credit at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. This is their best offer available anywhere. Go right now to Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Offer valid through December 31st. Terms and conditions apply. All right, Jack, what's, what are these, like, what's the next 10 games going to be? I mean, if we call that the amount of time Cat is out, like, the obvious, if there's, in the next 10, if there's seven more of these, it's over. I mean, it's, like, it's not even over, like, the season's a wash. It's, you need, like, the, the conversations about Saunders will be louder and And, and D'Angelo Russell will be louder, I think, too. Yeah, and, and, and now you've broken down the whole idea of what this group was supposed to be which even you know you'll have the excuse of there's no cat but but you you could have you i feel like there could be irreparable damage over over these 10 games if you don't if you don't figure out who you are enough to be able to compete and 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 you know that that's what i was talking about with brit on the last one it's like the expectation here with this group is not to go 500 that wasn't even the not even the expectation with Cat, you know. But but the expectation is to play a certain way, figure out what that way is, play that way, execute that way, and and you'll take your lumps where where you do. And and I'm just kind of like at a loss with this group of like what what could that identity be? What, what do you, what do you what do you want this team to be? Because as far as defensively, I don't think they can develop an identity like it's not without cat it's just i don't i mean you're just hoping to trick the devil enough to you know (laughs) not not bleed out completely defensively but set up a set up a identity offensively like that's what you know i think saunders has to do tomorrow at practice be like well whatever we're doing like it can't just be like we've got to execute what we're trying to do better it's like no it needs <laughs> I think that's what it's going to be for yeah. what it's worth. But what do you, what even is that? What it, what what is what does that even mean? I think ball movement. I think what well so Ryan said in the post game was he said that he wants his I the identity of this team to be to move the ball a ton on offense and to be aggressive in getting stops on defense, which to me makes it sound like we know that if we're not aggressive it's going to be hard for us to get stops. Mm-hmm. And so that, so he wants to force turnovers so the team can get out and run. 
And I think we saw a couple of really good transition offensive possessions from the Wolves tonight. I know chief among them being where Ed Davis grabs a rebound and you can just see it in his eyes being in the arena of him just super quickly finding Malik Beasley and Malik Beasley just sprints up the floor and throws it down. Yeah. Um, I think the Timber, I think the Timberwolves really need to see more of that where on the possessions they do get stops, they need to get out and run. And if they want any chance at, at winning any games in the next 10, 12 game stretch or however long cats out. Um, Which is what, that was I what the identity was of, of the post deadline group. And they've right? really, they've just got to ratchet up the pace and they've got to really move the ball. And I think that D'Angelo Russell did a good job of sharing the ball and, and doing his best to make his teammates better in, in that post deadline, you know, stretch that the Wolves had. And we just haven't seen that. Is this team right now less talented than the team was after the deadline? No, I I think this team is more talented, arguably. I I I would I would think so too. Like, what do you you have Rubio instead of James Johnson, plus you've added Anthony Edwards. I guess what you don't have is Josh Okogi right now, which yeah is a big part to that whole defensive. Yeah, I would say Okogi right now has been the second most important player for the Wolves, for sure. And yeah. and without your two most important players. You know, this this is what can happen. And I think it's going to be interesting to see what can what, – what do you think Josh Okoge – so let's say Josh Okoge misses the two Denver games and comes back after that. What do you think Josh Okoge coming back can do to the Timberwolves to – Well, he starts you know, Stop the bleeding or, or yeah, kind of I mean, keep, it, the, keep the boat afloat here. Well, he's guarding Bradley Beal in this game. Like, so then you have one of your massive – problems not obviously not taking care of he's not shutting down Bradley Beal but it was the Wolves had zero chance at guarding any sort of action that included Bradley Beal tonight zero it was if if there was if Bradley Beal ever had the ball or was getting the ball and Thomas Bryant was setting a screen for him it was over it was over and and Josh Kogi is good enough to mitigate some of that um so so that that probably helps you cope a little bit defensively and then offensively you're trying you know you are trying to be more intentional about you know about running and I think that team just did just run more and part of that was James Johnson you know they got out and, were and he moving. can handle the ball too running yeah. up the floor and and then Wancho was plays well in transition when Wancho is playing well but he's just MIA you know like so like Edward Edwards is the answer. That's the reason they're more talented right now. But I don't feel like they really like Edwards is Edwards is kind of like a gimmick in in their overall scheme, right? It's just kind of this like card they put in sometimes. Like he isn't Yeah, you said in the fourth quarter they're running actions for him, but do you feel like I don't know. I mean, I just go back to the idea that it would be nice if the identity was more about him. I, I agree completely, and I think that there's a lot of fans out there that, that feel the same way. Um, and I think that – well, I, and I guess, too, it's not even like, you know, the team's just running a bunch of actions for him. It's just that they're putting the ball in his hands and say, go. Mm-hmm. Because, I mean, a, an action – like, it, it's not like a set play. It's just as simple as – here's a ball screen, go do something with it. Right. And the Timberwolves hadn't done that until the fourth, that didn't do that against the Clippers or the Lakers. And they, and they didn't really do that tonight until the fourth quarter. 
And I think we saw, and, and, and when Edwards was coming off the bench with that Rubio and Culver pairing in the first two games, they were doing a lot of that, where they were yeah. doing a lot of giving him the ball and having him bring the ball up the floor and having Nas set a screen five or six feet above the three-point line so he has enough space to kind of get going downhill and either right. pull up for an open three or have a full head of steam going to the rim, and we just haven't seen that. And I think with Edwards, he almost appears as more of a gimmick when he's out of rhythm and you're just kind of thrown into the game and you hope that he can provide a spark. But for Edwards to get in a rhythm, they have to be like winning or they have to be like in the game. I mean, well, I was just going to say he's got to attack the basket yeah, and he's sure. falling in love with this left left dribble into a step back to his left three. Mm-hmm. And that's not how you get in a rhythm. You get in a rhythm from from shoot from shooting step in threes either off the catch or off the dribble or getting to the getting to the rim and all of his best games have started with him attacking the rim and that's got to happen isn't it funny how in the the clippers game he hits those three threes right in the was the first quarter his first rotation yep and then and then he caught the ball like his next three catches there was totally opportunities to attack closeouts and he didn't he like he like just like oh i gotta pass or, or or he like took one dribble in and pulled up, or I I remember like one spot specifically he caught it on the move and took one more dribble in and pulled up from like the elbows like it, the, yep. the rim you know the rim was there and you know part of that psychology is I just hit my last I just hit three difficult threes I should be able to hit the sixteen footer mm-hmm. but it, it seems it seemed to break down there some so I think that's probably like part of Saunders' resistance is like not maybe not trusting that he would be able to make. Which is fair, because I think yeah. that, but at the same time, for a guy who's been a scorer all of his life and has been the primary option on offense, he should have been in plenty of situations where, hey, I just made my first couple, now how else can I attack? Like, mm-hmm. I don't have to just sit and pull up for three. I can get going to the rim. And I think that's something that's, I think if you just put that in the back of his head and say, and show it to him on film and say, hey, this is what we need you to do. And, and here are the opportunities for you to do it. And if you make your first one, great, shoot another one. And if you make that one, see what the defense gives to you and then react. And I think that, you know, you got you, if you want him to grow, you've got to put the ball in his hands. You can't just stick him off the ball and th- and throw it to him. But this on, goes back to, yeah, I'm, I'm with you. And, and I, it all goes back to your central point of how can we make the game, or your leading point with how can we make the game easier for everybody? How can how can we run offense that kind of brings out the best in everybody instead of just asking one guy to just make yeah. everything happen? Yeah, it's I I just feel like I feel like if they were defending somewhat competently, they would have more confidence to be able to play offense. Like I feel like the obvious yeah. lack of ability to compete defensively crumbles you know, their ability to do anything on offense. And, and it's just tonight, and we've seen this in a lot of the games, the transition defense is just so terrible. It's just, it, it, it's so bad where they don't even, they don't know who they're matched up on because it's these cross, mas- cross matches because they're all, they're, their sizes are all <laughs> yeah. messed up. Like, and, and so, so then what that I feel like plays into is they're like, well, crap, if, we're bad when the other team's playing in transition and the game's going fast because we don't know how to, we don't we are really struggling to defend in transition. So I think for like psycho- psychologically, you're like, well, we kind of need to slow the game down. So then you're so then you're cutting into what you do best 
offensively. They need to be able to they need to play fast and they need to defend fast. Yeah. And I think like defending fast is a non-starter. Yeah. And I think when the game slows down, I think that becomes almost more of an isolation based game rather than yeah. a moving the ball based game, at least with this team right now. And I think when, when the team's playing fast, the ball's whipping around, and, and we saw that in the second quarter. The Timberwolves really sped the, the pace of the game up, and they were moving the ball around. There were one, two, three ball reversals on every possession, leading to you know some great Nas, you know, little turnaround, little finishes over his right shoulder, and also you know a Jake Lehman three. Um, and and, and, and I, I don't think that there was a coincidence that Jordan McLaughlin was running the running the show when that was happening but but see this is the thing where we're like oh well okay so we put the ball in McLaughlin's hand more like that makes some sense because we, we saw that or it's like oh we should put the ball in Edwards's hand more because that would like let the kid grow and it goes back to what I was saying about cannibalization it's already there already isn't enough I hate when people say this there isn't enough basketballs to go around in that first group with Rubio D'Lo and Beasley and now you're like, well, we need more basketballs to give to McLaughlin and to Edwards. It, 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 it's so it just goes back to the, the central thing where the roster's so unbalanced. What what the guy, what this roster does well, or what the players on this roster do well, are so much. There's so much overlap, right? But between there's so much overlap between D'Lo, Rubio, Beasley, Edwards, and then to a lesser extent yeah. McLaughlin. Yeah, and so. My plan, or if if I were in Saunders' shoes, what I would consider, I would consider starting Jordan McLaughlin over Ricky Rubio. Oh, Along, I would start Jordan McLaughlin with D'Angelo Russell because we saw that those two had very evident chemistry when they played together last year. The two-man game that they had, that they played, was great. Jordan McLaughlin, D'Angelo Russell, if he's going to play off the ball, needs to play with a guard who can get into the paint and kick the ball out. And Ricky Rubio right now just can't get into the paint and, and, and really draw defenses into a point where they're not sagging off of a guy in the corner. And you're not saying not to play Ricky. like you. Yeah. I, I'll get to yeah. that. So your starting five would be McLaughlin, Russell, Beasley, Vanderbilt, and Nas. Okay. And then your second unit, you would have Rubio, Culver and Edwards because there was chemistry with those with those three when they played mm -hmm. in those first two games especially and I think Ryan talked tonight about we need to try and go back to the drawing board and and find what works yeah, and I think that. that those are things that have worked we know that McLaughlin and Russell worked last year let's try and build off of that or find that again and and D and when D'Angelo's been out there the ball has kind of stopped and I think if you have McLaughlin out there with him I think McLaughlin can do a good job of of getting the ball to Ruby or to Russell in spots where he he feels comfortable shooting the ball. But two, I think he's gonna he's gonna keep the ball moving and and fill in after he keeps the ball moving and, and to, to help keep the floor effectively spaced. And then, you know, you have that trio of Rubio, Culver, and Edwards who who played very well together off the bench, especially in that in that Utah game. Yeah, so so I think this is kind of the like ro for rotations as as a coach, like you kind of need to choose: are we going to be a team who mixes the first team and the second team in together, or are we going to be a team that platoons, right? And and you look around the league; it's different team to team. Denver, for example, right? Like Denver will play 
their starting five and then kind of from, you know, three minutes left in the first quarter through halfway through the second quarter, it'll all be the five bench guys. Yep. Right? And and I think for Saunders, with this roster full, with Cat, you know, the, the roster... The platooning makes sense. No, no, no. I, the rotation, I thought, made sense. Like... You wanted to stagger D'Lo and Beasley. You, he was, I, I, I liked the rotations of the first two games. I thought, it, yeah, especially, yeah, it was great. And then, and I think now, and I'm just thinking out loud as you talk about this, is the, is the idea with this group to maybe now go more of a, of a platoon where there is that, that first five, and you want to do McLaughlin. I don't know if I would do that, but like, but still, it's it's this general idea of finding groups of four or five players to be all out there at the same time and then to, you know, flip the card over and put out four or five different players on the other side. That's it's interesting. I think but I just think Ryan is in his head committed to what he spent was planning for all year, which was a mixture. And and I think I think it's much easier for me to sit here and say that not being involved in what the kind of construction of this team and this rotation was yeah. going to be. Um, but for me, the way that I approach it is I'm just thinking about who's played together and has played well together and how can we ensure that we can play those guys together and hopefully get stretches of three or four or five good minutes out of groups of two or three players playing together on the floor, because I don't think we're going to get stretches of all five guys on the floor playing well together at the same time. Like we just haven't seen it since cat left. And I just don't know how much of it we're going to see until, for sure a Kogi comes back, but then really until Cat comes back. And so finding those two or three-man combinations, I think, is going to be important. And it's all about how can you maximize the guys who can have the biggest impact on the game. And for me, that's D'Angelo Russell, that's Malik Beasley, and that's Anthony Edwards. And yeah. I think that for D'Lo, I don't think Rubio is the answer right now. Rubio was the answer for Donovan Mitchell, and he was the answer for Devin Booker, but I'm not sure that right now, in this present moment, in the next two or three or four games, is the answer for, for D'Angelo Russell. I think that... Well, I think, and that's not what Ricky Rubio was brought in to be, either. He was brought yeah. in to be... A leader. Well, he was brought in to be Ricky Rubio, who played next to Anthony Edwards and Devin Booker. Or <laughs> for, Foreshadowing. <laughs> he, he was brought in because he had success playing against Donovan, uh, alongside Donovan Mitchell and Devin Booker, and they th- they saw similarities between Donovan Mitchell, Devin Booker, and Anthony Edwards. So right. That was the you know that was the idea, and I think maybe we jumped to some conclusions that Rubio Booker, which was awesome last year, would be similarly effective to Rubio D'Lo, and. At least until been. Edwards is able to come in and you have that Rubio Edwards and, thing. And it's just I think it just comes down to what we've learned is there's there is a very big difference there's a very big difference in the way D'Angelo Russell plays and the way Devin Booker plays. Oh, for sure. And and I think there was a hope that D'Angelo Russell would be able to play like Devin Booker. But if these first five games have been any indication, maybe D'Angelo Russell isn't as good off ball as we thought he could be like to to some extent this has been way worse for D'Angelo Russell than we would have ever expected even if you were low on D'Angelo so you didn't you didn't like him as a player this has still been worse so you got to ask yourself what's the infrastructure what are the you know what went wrong what what was what has been out of sorts and and the biggest thing is he's literally starting at the two he's literally starting at the two on this team and maybe that's just maybe that's not 
just not right for him. And kind of, I don't think we can indict the Rubio acquisition on five games alone, but. Doesn't look great. It, it, it doesn't look great, and it's not even Rubio's fault, you know? Yeah. Because I, I wouldn't say Rubio's been like, well, I wouldn't say he's been great, but I wouldn't say he's been bad. He just hasn't fit alongside DeAndre Russell as good as those who are justifying that trade. Yeah, and but. I think Ryan talked a lot about wanting to make sure that there's a playmaker on the floor for 48 minutes, and I think that, to be to be honest, that if you want to do that, I don't think you play Ricky Rubio and D'Angelo Russell together all that much. I think if, if you want to have that playmaker on the floor and you want to count D'Lo as a playmaker, you've really got to emphasize with him that the ball's got to move. The ball can't just get to you and stop. Mm-hmm. And and my question, or I guess maybe my last question about D'Lo is, do you think the ball moves better if he's just starting at the one and solely playing the one? Yeah. As yeah, opposed yeah, to him playing the two with even with Jordan McLaughlin? Dude, I'm, I'm telling you, like, so uh, we've talked about this before, and I've said it on the pod a bunch, and this obviously my whole – I think DeAndre Russell's going to have a good year take is not aged well here. <laughs> but but I'm I'm not that wasn't like that wasn't me just like spitting into the wind. It was I went we had all this time off and I went back and watched a ton of DeAndre Russell like over in, in in the different stops and what and you know and what he did and my belief in DeAndre Russell came from the notion that there are so many extended instances of him over the years of being a dominant player with the ball in his hands at the point of attack right whether that be in a pick and roll situation or in isolation and and i'm telling i mean i'm i have that that those clips logged in my head and those clips don't look anything like this and it's not it one it's a player from those clips d'angelo russell himself looked to be way better just way more talented than this guy looks. But at the same time, the biggest difference is he's being used different. He's not being used the same. He's not being used in the ways that when D'Angelo Russell was a productive player, that he was having success. So I'm not trying to find every single way to like deflect blame from D'Lo because again, the majority of it falls on him. But when things aren't going well, you got to You got to think about, all right, well, what do we maybe do wrong here? Like, what steps have we not taken along this process that because very clearly it could have been better than this these first five games could have gotten a lot better so part of that is on the plan and it's time for a new one you know it's time for a new one like you can't I don't think now is the time to double down no no it's like you can't and 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 he also like it or not deserves more leash based on the idea of how invested you are in him in him as a, as a player on this team and you know people people can hate that people can whatever but like DeAndre Russell's on a max contract here for the next three years he's a huge part of the whole cat equation like you have you have to make DeAndre Russell work and that's why when you know Britt was talking about on the last pod of like oh you gotta you gotta have him have him coming off the bench you have to do this and that like no Ultimately, if you want to make this work, you got to cater to him even more, I think, and 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 adjust, and and adjust the offense and adjust the scheme, in more ways that cater to him. I don't feel like, I don't feel like D'Angelo Russell is playing in a way that deserves to be catered to, but at the same time, I still think you need to cater to him more and do more things to just get him going. 
and and I think that's just using them differently. Yeah, and I think there needs to be give and take with that though. Um, For sure, no, because that's because fr- because frankly. D'Angelo Russell hasn't made anybody better even when he has had the ball in his hands in these last three games. There, I, totally. there have been so many possessions where there hasn't been a single pass. He's just dribbled it up, r- come around like just come around a screen at the three-point line and taken a contested you know, 15-footer with a, with a hand in his face. And, and that's not conducive to, to winning basketball. And that's not conducive to, to him playing well, to any of his teammates playing well, or the team playing well. Right. And I think that... You know, there's no there's no problem if he if he's making those shots or if he has an open look there. Like I think we saw a, a decent amount of open looks in, in that Clippers game that just didn't go in. And, and I'm okay with him taking those wide open shots even if oh, they 100%. don't go in. But I think that he's got to understand and someone's got to get through to him that if he's not making that shot the f- the first one or two times he he takes it. He's just got to get the ball moving and get a reset and then try and run something different until he, he can get an open look. Or, hell, try and get to the rim. He's got such a tight handle and such a just a masterful bag yeah, of tricks. But that's also never been him, too. It's never been him, but we saw him do it in the preseason, and we saw him do it in the first two games where he looked more aggressive in trying to get downhill to the rim. Yeah. And when he's made a couple of mid-range shots, it's the same thing we were talking about with Edwards. You see yeah. that defense start to come up a little bit. Mm-hmm. Why not hit him with a little hesitation and get to the rim? Yeah, you know D'Angelo Russell has a hesitation movement in his, in his bag that he can he can go to, and I think he's got to be more willing to use it. And yeah, I, so you're right. He's got to be more willing to use it, but I think you got to put him in better spots to succeed. 100. percent And I think some of that is going to have have some lumps of he's seeming a little bit like a ball hog, but that might be, in my opinion, that might be what's most productive for the greater good. But it's also a better option than almost anything else you have out there unless right, Malik Beasley is making a bunch of shots. So the before we wrap up here, the the last thing I just kind of have on my mind is like the idea of changing the roster. And obviously that's coming at some point this season and you know, traditionally we think of that at the as the trade deadline, right? But is there a way that they can they can make a change to you know quote unquote shake things up here earlier do you is it important if you're Gerson Rosas to to do something to this roster right now or in the more immediate term rather than waiting I don't know when would the trade deadline be in like 30 I, games from now or I, yeah 40 games yeah, from now like it's probably closer to 40 just because the first 30 whatever because the first 30 whatever games um you know are, are done the f- first or second week of March. Um, but, I, you know, immediately it's the, the Wolves' hands are tied because they can't trade Malik Beasley, they can't trade Juan Chernin Gomez, so they'd have to trade Jarrett Culver or they'd have to trade D'Angelo Russell or, or like an Ed Davis or Jake Lehman. So then it's probably something, if it were to happen, it's, it's something more on the margins, like a signing. Yeah, and so... You do have a roster spot open. Yeah, and so, you know... People keep coming back to it, and I'm going to keep coming back to it just because it's an immediate fill-in spot, um, is I think this team needs to sign Ronda Hellas-Jefferson back. And the reason why I think that, fully knowing the financial implications of that move, is because I think this team, like you were talking about earlier, needs to stop the hemorrhaging to prevent some type of irreparable damage with the makeup of the team and the confidence of the team and the and the belief that these guys have in each other i underestimated that like 100 i mean when we 
Yeah, that was the last I mean, time we, we did talked, together. Yeah. yeah, and like, it the the reason I was like, okay, like I get it, was because I didn't, I couldn't see getting to a point where it was became painfully obvious that this team needed to play Jared Vanderbilt. That's I mean, why I was like, I was like, okay, like you punt on Hollis Jefferson, he wasn't going to play. An, an important note, though, Josh Kogi and Carl Anthony Towns were healthy. Yeah, yeah. So that's why I think, that's why I think, that's why I think Rosas was so much justified in that at the time. Like, yeah. you can only judge that at the moment of what the roster was. Right. And, and honestly, that's more, that's more where I was at too. I'm like, okay, I get it. You got some more flexibility. Like, Hollis Jefferson wasn't going to be a needle mover because he wasn't going to play. He'd obviously be playing right now, and it'd be nice to be able to start him on Sunday against the Nuggets. Yeah, and I mean the first game. I mean, the first game was completely just like completely justified getting rid of Ronda Hollis Jefferson. Yeah, you look fine. You're like, oh, oh sure, like, all right, a Kogi guard. Like, let's keep doing this. And so <laughs> yeah. now that we can't keep doing this, I think that's what I'm getting at, right? Like, it's yeah. like I feel like it's it's that type of thing. I'm not sure how much I buy into the whole idea that like you can like Ronda Hollis Jefferson is just going to come back whenever you want him. I, that's not like on any background or anything. It just Historically in the league, like there there is a precedent of if you get cut by a team or if you get traded by a team, players don't like coming back to those teams. Yeah. Now Ronda Hell Jefferson isn't in the NBA, so maybe he just wants to be in the NBA. But at the yeah. same time, and like around familiar faces too. Yeah. That he's been with in previous stops, at least. That's true. That's true. And so so maybe the answer is just Ronda Hell Jefferson, but I mean, I don't really know what else they can do because I know that, you know, we've texted about PJ Tucker. Um, and that I don't, and we both don't think that that domino is going to fall until the James Harden domino falls. Yeah, hundred percent. And when you look around the league out there, there just really aren't that many options that are still free agents. I mean, you have Taj Gibson, who's a free agent, but he just does not fit with what the Timberwolves are trying to do. But he's, I mean, he's Jared Vanderbilt, though. Like, if we're at the point where, if if Jared Vanderbilt is going to be in the rotation or start next game which i don't know i don't think that's going to happen but if it is that is justifiable it's like it's not like jared vanderbilt fits better than tosh gibson does you know like that's fair it's the same concept right it's it's a it's a big who rebounds yeah and and And, defense and and so i bottom line i just think the timberwolves need any type of band-aid that they can throw on this open wound because i think you need to make sure that if there's a if there's a signing out there that can help Nas Reed continue to develop or can help, yeah. you know, D'Angelo it, Russell or... It might not be worth having that extra $1.6 million in space. I completely agree. And I, I yeah, I, I think that's... I think that makes more sense now. And if that's the difference between you being able to trade for a guy like P.J. Tucker or not, or breaking that mandate of being under the luxury tax, I mean... Sure, it's easy to. It's also easier to mandate those things when Josh Kogi and Carl Anthony Towns are healthy. Yeah. And sometimes shit just doesn't go your way, right. and you're out of luck. And the Timberwolves right now are out of luck. Okay, actually, last question: Do you think it makes less sense now to trade for PJ Tucker? I I think it makes less sense if Carl Anthony Towns is not healthy. Yeah, which he isn't. If Carl and so I I think it makes less sense to trade for Tucker right now. I do now. too. I. I mean, it kind of, we're kind of talking out of both sides of our mouth here, but like the, the Tucker thing is, is kind of unique too, right? Where it was the reason you and I, and I'm sure 99% of people listening to this were like, on the, yeah, let's get PJ Tucker, <laughs> you know, bad record. Like, of course, it sounds great. He's a better player than most of our players. Like, get him. Um, that, 
I, I think that change is now someone you know this team is going is very bad and is probably going to continue to be very bad even if you add PJ Tucker to the mix because PJ Tucker is 36 and he's got to resign if you're going to trade for him. Yeah, and and I think that that's where like again in if this was a month ago and we're talking about acquiring PJ Tucker and you go all right well you do Jared Culver and a pick like for PJ Tucker that makes some sense right. Um, that's still a lot to give up. Even old Culver, which is maybe current Culver. <laughs> <whatever>. you, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, oh, it, it's, boy. You were going to have to pay to get P.J. Tucker, and I think part of what you were paying for was to have him here help you be somewhat competitive this season. Yeah. Like, if you add P.J. Tucker to this team for the Nuggets series, that it, it's like it's just more marginalized, the value that P.J. Tucker is going to bring. And – I, I think it's it makes it less justifiable to do that move where you're giving a call to first one. We don't know what it's going to cost, but yeah, it, it becomes I, which, which sucks to say, but I, I think that's true. And you kind of do maybe kick that can down the road a little bit more to seeing what the uh, save that asset to see what the you know your options are at the deadline rather than it's just it's just hard because he's 36. I think. Yeah, and. I, yeah, I, I completely agree. And I think what makes it even tougher is that, you know, with the restrictions in place <laughs> with contracts, it just you're also kind of at slim pickings at who you could send out in a trade too, which that makes, was always yeah, that which, was. which makes things tough. And so um, it would need to be in a three team. <laughs> yeah, it's it just and then you start worrying about if you bring a third team in, how many more future assets do you have to give up in terms of second round picks or a, f- a future very protected first round pick or something like that? Um, just gets just gets tough to think about. And the, the more you have to kick the can down the road, the more it's going to bite you in the ass right. in terms of in terms of how much you're giving up. But back to the other point, if you do cross that off as, as an option, you're like, OK, we thought P.J. Tucker was an idea when we had healthy cat. Now it's not okay then you need that flexibility less right those things are tied together so so it makes it more justifiable to bring in a ronda house jefferson taj gibson player x that we can't think of like i think that's where we're at yeah in terms of if you're going to make a move the type of moves that you should make should be different now like it's a a different set of variables i I completely agree with that and and it's unfortunate that you know, we've got the hand that we've been dealt and that, you know, there's not anything we can do to to, to bring Josh Kogi back to health faster. Same thing with Carl Anthony Towns. Um, but but yeah, I think it's, it's all just going to come down to the fight of this team. And if if this team can can show any type of fight in the next two, four, six, eight, ten games, whatever it is without Carl Anthony Towns, I think that's that's going to bode well and you're going to at least save yourself the irreparable damage or allow yourself to still somewhat be in that playoff conversation or that 10 seed conversation. Um, but, but this team, this team needs to, needs to make a change and it, it's got to come fast. It, it just does. Cause I, 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 my opinion, I do think you're risking irreparable damage to the bigger picture, like the three year picture. If you F up, this next month like and you don't and you just don't do anything to try and address it exactly thank you for helping me not need to talk to myself <laughs> afterwards it's I mean, great it's to be back with you it's great to be back in uh at an empty target center this is so that weird. was uh that was an interesting <laughs> fan experience tonight um I, it was it was it's so hard to describe for people that weren't in the arena 
what what it's like to be in here without or any just fans. that we're still in target center right now and there's now there's literally no it's people. just us i'm hoping that we could walk out and we don't have to sleep here <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that would be cool <laughs> Um, all right, that's Jack Borman um, at Jr. Borman thirteen on Twitter, um, doing all sorts of different things for Canis Hoopas. Thanks for joining me, and I don't know if you keep coming to these games, I'm gonna force you to stay afterwards. <laughs> I'm looking. For, I'm sure we'll get to get to a few more here in January. But but thanks for having me, man. I appreciate it. Yep, no problem. We'll talk to you later, and I will be back after the Denver game on Sunday night. Till then, I'm Dane. Peace out. Feeling better, hoping never stop, yeah Green it hard so you can find me in the crowd, yeah, yeah Don't let standards ever, ever bring you down, yeah Hope you dancing like no